Hello, I'm JD. And I'm Mike. And welcome to Off Topic with Mike and JD. Episode 2. We made it to a second episode. I really <laughs> didn't expect us to not get cancelled after one episode. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about The Mandalorian. We're going to be talking about what we liked about the first first season, what we didn't like about it, and what we want to see in the show with the second season coming up. So now, first though, just a little background about well, our histories with Star Wars. Me, I grew up on Star Wars. Fun fact, my mom actually wanted to name me Luke. That's true. That's but awesome. So I, so I always loved Star Wars, but I'm not like the super Star Wars fan. I'm a Star Wars fan, just not a super Star Wars fan. Now, Mike, what's your history with Star Wars? I, I would categorize myself as a super Star Wars fan. Uh, like you, I grew up with it like most people our age. But, uh, I don't know, I it was sort of a, a family tradition uh, to always watch the Star Wars movies together. My parents took me when I was like seven years old to see the uh, re-releases of the original trilogy mm -hmm. in theaters. And it just, like, changed my life. So I've been just a super Star Wars nerd ever since. You know, I, I read all those uh, books back when that was the only way to hear the <laughs> continuing story of Star Wars. And then you know, my friend's like, oh, wow, they're doing, like, these prequel <laughs> movies where you can, you know, go, go in here and see what happened to Obi-Wan back then. And I had all my, uh, my birthday parties were always taking all my friends to see a Star Wars movie. <laughs> Yeah, so like I said, I'm a regular Star Wars nerd, nerd. He's a big Star Wars nerd, but both both nerds for Star Wars. <laughs> by, by our nerd powers combined, we have the authority to definitively talk about the Mandalorian. Uh, so so uh, as you probably know, Mandalorian was was the big was the big series on Disney Plus, and since we haven't gotten any MCU shows, it's really the biggest thing on the original content on Disney Plus by a long shot. Don't, wouldn't you agree? Yes, I would say without a doubt it is the, you know, to use video game terms, it's the system seller. You know, I feel like every mm. every streaming service has to have a killer app, a, a show, a must-watch show. You know, for Netflix it was Stranger Things for a while. You know, mm. uh, uh, All Access has uh, Star Trek Discovery. So, Mandalorian definitely was the flagship selling point for. Uh, for Disney Plus, which actually they haven't had a ton of success with their other original content aside from Hamilton, so it's really been no. Weird. And Hamilton is even debatable. Does that even count as original content? Because it's just an amazing musical, but films for everybody. <laughs> which I mean, I love I love Hamilton, Tim. But like I said, it's, original is kind of a stretch there. Exactly. I I can't wait till whenever the Oscars wind up happening in the future. I look forward to having an episode about should should the filming of Hamilton count towards the Oscars. But that's it. I that's would love to have that discussion too, but that's a different discussion. Yeah, but with my love of Star Wars, it will be difficult to constrain myself to 20 minutes for this episode, so you'll have to cut me out. <laughs> All right, so, so yeah, so, and this is also... The, really the, the first live-action series for Star Wars, as far as I know of, right? they, they've never even tried live-action, have they? No, it's it's the first real uh, foray into that, that medium. There was mm. a sort of semi-produced pilot. George Lucas wrote a large mm. number of scripts for a series called Star Wars Underworld. Mm. Uh, I think that was the working title, where it was supposed to explore like the lower levels of Coruscant and, and things like that. 
but he kind of halted production after he realized the technology just kind of wasn't there to produce a weekly show with the level of special effects he would want yeah. for a Star Wars property. Yeah, and especially because uh, it's expensive TV show. Then really, before cable and the, and now streaming services came out, you would never see a, a TV show with budgets like you're seeing The Mandalorian with. Exactly, exactly. I mean, the uh, you know I. I I mean, I suppose we can talk about this in this episode as well. The I don't know if did you watch the behind the scenes series? Uh, there's a whole se- secondary season of it takes you episode by episode through the the special effects that they used behind the Mandalorian. But the wall, the the large LCD wall that they use is just incredible. It's it's really amazing technology, and that that really makes it feel like Star Wars because I feel like. Original Star Wars was all about pioneering new technology and filmmaking, mm-hmm. and the movie sort of came along with that. Whereas these, you know, Disney era movies are more about capitalizing on the nostalgia for the story, rather than necessarily pioneering new movies. Mm-hmm. And, and that's actually one of the other things that I want to talk to you about is the fact that I don't know about you, um, I, I quite enjoyed the sequel trilogy for what it was, but one of the reasons The Mandalorian is so unique is it's the only thing in a really, really long time that Star Wars fans universally agree on. You know, the prequels, half the people love it, half the people hate it. The Clone Wars, half the people love it, half the people hate it. Sequel trilogy, half the people love it, half the people hate it. But The Mandalorian, I don't know if it's just the cute baby or what, but everyone seems to be on board. I have met almost nobody who dislikes The Mandalorian. So, how do you feel about that? I completely agree with you. I was even saying with my friends that it's without a doubt the best thing to come since Disney bought Star Wars out of Star Wars. Now, they, my other friend did make a good point that, no, he's saying what they did in the amusement park is the best thing to come out of Disney, which, that's debatable. But not counting the, the, what they did with the theme park, it's definitely, without a doubt, the best thing to come of the Disney era Star Wars. Whether you, even if you like the sequel trilogy, which to a degree I do like the sequel trilogy, but you can't argue that the sequel trilogy is better than what The Mandalorian is, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, I think The Mandalorian really captures what people loved about the original Star Wars. Um, and it also is really freed, storytelling-wise, from the kind of shackles of expectation, which I really think kind of hamstrung the sequel trilogy with, you know, with Mandalorian, you know, it, it's very much its own story. We're not wondering the whole time, whoa, where's Luke? Where's Luke? What's Luke doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he, he, you know, Jin Jaren can just be his own guy, you know, doing his own thing. Yeah, for, for the most part, I think there might be like one or two exceptions, but almost everybody in the first season is an original character, right? Yeah, um, I can't think of anyone who's not. They're all... They're all new characters. I mean, you get a couple cameos of, like, certain droids and, and technology, but in terms of characters, even IG-11, who's sort of, you know, a, a knockoff of IG-88, you know, they originally wanted to use IG-88, but they specifically were told not to because mm-hmm. then you're stuck with that character's backstory, whereas if you make it IG-11, his less cool brother, you know, you can do whatever mm-hmm. you want with the character. Uh, Which, spe- speaking of IG-11, Taika Waititi, how, um, how amazing is he? <laughs> he is, without doubt, uh, you know, I know he has his detractors, uh, you know, some people don't find him funny, but 
I think he was by far one of my favorite parts of that uh, entire series. IG-11. Uh, he was nominated for an Emmy for it. Wow, I didn't, I didn't actually know that. Yeah, uh, for, for, for voiceover performance. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. even just, I thought one of the coolest things about that character, aside from just his comedic timing, was just the design of it. I always was a huge fan of IG-88, but, you know, he was sort of cobbled together from props on the Star Wars set. You know, uh, his head mm-hmm. was used in the cantina, so it, he, he never moved. He never, mm-hmm. You never saw him in action. So just seeing the way, you know, he pivots and spins around. And, oh, that's you know, awesome. It's so cool the way they made him move. Uh, mm-hmm. And that really, like, that's what you wanted to see when you see, like, a, a bounty hunter droid. And then they flipped it around on its head. You know, spoilers, I guess, for all of the Mandalorian. Oh, yeah, I meant to say, say, say that, that from the start. Start. Then we are going to completely spoil season one. So, uh, if you haven't seen season one, first of all, what, do, what are you doing for your life? But second of all, don't watch this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I, I, you know, you get the, the sort of evil side of him, and then later you get the, the mom side of him, which I think, you know, <laughs> I think one of the most uh, universally beloved part was when he killed all those uh, scout troopers who punched Baby Yoda in the face. Yes. Oh, yeah. The actors from that scene, because, you know, you have to remember, they filmed this before Baby Yoda was even Baby Yoda. Like, that, that name hadn't even come up for it yet. Yeah. So, they, they, they all went to do a fun little cameo in Star Wars. One was Jason Sudeikis. I can't remember who the other one was. But, like, you know, so established actors doing a fun little Star Wars cameo, and then all of a sudden they wake up to be like, wait, why does the internet suddenly hate me? <laughs> exactly. And I think that's a, a good point to to transition. You know, I'm excited to talk about season two and all that brings. But before we go there, we should probably just talk real quick. What was your favorite things about season one, and what was your least favorite things about season no. one? I actually had to start with my least favorite thing because that I know exactly what, what was my biggest disappointment was season one. And that was the underutilization of Ming-Nan Wen. She's an amazing actress. Like, if you ever watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you can see she's a great a- yeah. action actress. Great actress. Like, and you know, her being in Star Wars was actually cool because it's like, oh, she's a Disney princess. She's in Marvel. Now she's going to be in Star Wars. So, and yet she did nothing. Like, her character was one-dimensional and died in the middle of the episode. Like, I was just so disappointed that you had this amazing actress and, and you couldn't find anything good for her to do. That she was a one-note character who died by an even lamer character. Like, she didn't get... I felt they just wasted her. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. I mean, I'll get into that when I talk about it, but that whole episode, I think, was by a lot the weakest episode of The Mandalorian. Mm. Um, yeah. But yeah. The, Amy Sedaris was great in that episode. Who, when, she, she's the she's the one mechanic who's taking care of Baby baby Yoda. Yeah. That, that part of the episode was good, but over, as a whole, that, yeah, worst episode of the series. I, um... Yeah, I, when I first heard that Ming Na Wei was cast in in The Mandalorian, I was excited. I'm like, oh wow, she's gonna be either like some sort of like awesome bounty hunter, awesome assassin, you know, maybe even like some sort of like dark Jedi inquisitor, you know. But mm. uh, but yeah, it's just her being a character who just shows up and and is assassinated by Diet Han Solo was really just soul crushingly disappointing. Yeah. 
But now, what other big disappointments did you have, if any? Um, I'd say not too many. I, I think overall I was pretty happy. Um, you know, there were... I think maybe my other disappointment was more just in the formatting of... I really wish they were closer. Maybe I'm just spoiled by Game of Thrones, but the 20 to 30 minute mark episodes really make it feel kind of rushed sometimes. Uh, you know, the two-parter set up so well, you know, because it mm -hmm. had time to breathe. But then every other episode, I'm, I felt like I was just sort of getting into it when it was over. Uh, you know, I felt like the episode with the heist in the New Republic uh, ship, I could have watched That's that the, for... The, the the prison break? Yeah. I okay, felt, yeah. I felt like I could have uh, could have watched that for another 20 minutes. So that was that's my only gripe is probably the episode length. I would like them to be like 40 to 45 minute episodes, maybe even an hour, as opposed to the 30 minute. Or if they're not going to do that, maybe go the Doctor Who route and do multi-part episodes. Uh, just because I, I feel like you can't really get too deep into a story in 30 minutes and if every single episode is going to continue to be its own singular story if it's like more of an anthology then 30 minutes is not long enough that's a very good point and especially since it's a it's a streaming like she i don't feel like she'll be able to take advantage it's not like a network show oh well you have this amount of time you gotta fill this exact amount of time the the benefits of doing a streaming show is that, hey, you, you should be able to have that flexibility. Like, hey, this episode's going to be a little bit shorter. This episode's going to be a little bit longer. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Alright, so, like I said, not many complaints. But, so, but let's just get that out of the way. So now, what do you like about the series? I mean, it's hard to know where to begin with that. I, I loved almost everything about it. I think, I mean... The key element, I think, that makes it so beloved is just that it felt like Star Wars. Um, I think that was one of the things that the prequel and the sequel trilogies both kind of struggled with, was they were trying to have their own aesthetic because they're so far <laughs> removed in time from the original trilogy that they look a lot more clean, a lot more shiny, uh, you know, they have a lot more special effects going on. I think the Mandalorian... If you showed me, with the possible exception of Rogue One, if you showed me a, um, The Force Awakens, uh, The Mandalorian, and, you know, a random scene from Episode 2, and you asked me which of these is the sequel to A New Hope, I would definitely point to The Mandalorian. It looks and feels the most mm. like Star Wars. And I think the other great strength of it, like I said, was the new characters, I think... You know, after, you know, while I personally love Ray and Poe and all the new characters of the sequel trilogy, I felt like there was a bit too much of echoing and callbacks and, mm. and things like that. And even though there's, I guess, a little bit of that, you could argue with, like, uh, the Mandalorian being similar to Boba Fett. But I think all the characters felt very unique. They felt like they belonged in the universe. And, you know, I think Baby Yoda captured the hearts of not only Star Wars lovers, but just was adorable enough to, to capture non-Star Wars fans. My my sister, who's a very casual Star Wars fan, you know, she knows the original trilogy, but you know, she couldn't tell you much else. Uh, she 
absolutely loves Baby Yoda, and she watched all the episodes just for it. <laughs> uh, so, um, I want to talk more about Baby Yoda in just one second, but first I just want to put out, it's interesting that this fe feels the most like a Star Wars sequel, which I agree with, but it feels like that despite the fact that there's no Jedi in it. Like, like there's only just, you know, very faint mentions to it and the, the Force. Like, it's interesting that they're not focusing on the same exact themes, yet somehow it feels more like a sequel than the things that try to focus on the same themes. Right, exactly. I think it's exploring a different different pocket of the universe, um, which, you know, I think is, is again, it, it's what frees it up, because you don't, you don't have to worry about prophecies or chosen <laughs> ones. You, you just could tell a story about a guy. <laughs> so, okay, so on to Baby Yoda, which... You could have never seen that anything Star Wars in your life. You know about Baby Yoda. Like, it's everywhere on the internet, first of all. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> Even Disney was completely blindsided. I mean, you know, when you look at, like, something like Porgs for the sequel trilogy, they were ready with, like, plush Porgs, Porg merchandise, Porg shirts. You know, they were like, oh, these are going to be the next big thing. When it came to Baby Yoda... They weren't ready for it. They, everyone was like, where do I sign up? Where do I get my Baby Yoda plush? And there just weren't any. You know, we were seeing on Etsy, like, illegal Baby Yoda, you know, crochets. because they're, Or, like, you know, uh, cafe press t-shirts with the square pictures of Baby Yoda. Just because Disney w didn't know what they had on their hands. And I, they definitely did, will not make that mistake for season two. I'm already seeing... Tons of merchandise, you know, I've got my pre-ordered pop of Baby Yoda <laughs> drinking soup. <laughs> but, well, actually, though, it wasn't just that they were unprepared. I mean, I don't think, they, they, they didn't know he, people were going to want plushies. They didn't know to the extent, but they knew he was going to be a big thing. But John Favreau was like, no, I don't want you marking it, uh, him yet because I want him to come as a surprise to the viewers. Viewers, which actually, this actually paves the way. Way to my next question because I didn't watch the first first episode w when it came out. By the time I watched it, I already knew about Baby Yoda. Now, what about you? Did you did you watch it bef before or after you knew Baby Yoda was a thing? I watched it before. I watched it when it premiered, but um, I had heard I had heard rumors of of something to that effect, but I didn't know quite the context. Um, so yeah, it kind of it kind of caught me by surprise, but you know, in a pleasant way. I, it, that was uh, kind of a risky move on Disney part because, you know, something like that. You know, George Lucas purposely chose Yoda and his species to be like the one mystery that you never hear about. You know, it's it's like Columbo's wife. You just you just never hear about them, and and that was intentional. So going back to that well of of oh, this is another member of Yoda's species. Uh, is was a risky move, but it, I think it paid off. You know, I think at first I was like obviously off paid off, but um, but you know, I I think I think you know, it could have easily been something that people hated, and it wound up being mm -hmm. something that people love. I mean, you know, when you deal with like child characters, you know, they can be annoying. You know, people oh, were, yeah. were really upset with like little kid Anakin. You know, they didn't find him cute. Oh, whiny as hell. But, but people love Baby Yoda, uh, mm -hmm. even though he's technically 50 years old. <laughs> I, think, I think maybe if there was one, one uh, critique I have is that maybe they, they should have revealed 
his name, unless that, um, you know, it's hard to talk too much about it without knowing where this is going in the future. Th but, that is definitely true. But the fact is that we don't know his name, and nobody's calling him the child. Everyone's calling him Baby Yoda, mm. to the point where people are kind of confused if you're not following this. Like, my mom seems to think that he is Yoda, like, reincarnated, yeah. or it's some sort of, like you know, time rewound version of Yoda, or this is like a prequel where Yoda's a little kid. So I think that's a very misleading and confusing name. And, you know, that's not Disney's fault necessarily, but... Well, because they didn't market him as Baby Yoda. That's just what people are like, oh, we're naming him Baby Yoda because he doesn't have a name and we don't like the name The Child. Right, exactly. But And it's the same thing with The Mandalorian, right? I mean, his name is Jin Jaren, but you don't learn that until episode you know, seven but, or eight. Um, yeah. So no one's calling they, him that. Everyone's just saying but, Mandalorian. Well, also, th that's kind of... Well, if you ask him, that's not his name anymore. More Also, because that goes into Mandalorian cu culture that you kind of... It's weird, but you kind of give up your name. So he's like, that was my name. That's So he kind of doesn't have a name, which is weird in my opinion. But Right, I mean, that's, I think, one of the big challenges of season two. If you want to... I don't know if you want to transition into talking about season two, but... It, it's yeah, confusing to the point where we've seen Mandalorians on the Clone Wars and, and, you know, to an extent in other media, and none of them seem to follow this rule of, oh, never take off your helmet, and you don't have an identity, and, like, this is the way, you know, we've never heard any of this stuff before. So this is some sort of a weird subsect or cult of Mandalore. And so, while that's really cool, I think they have a lot of explaining to do of how come, you know, Sabine or, you know, Bo-Katan from any of the other shows, like, they don't seem to have a problem taking off their helmet. They do it every episode. Yeah. Well, um, now, because I know it's been rewritten many times. Jango Fett, is he, is he in the current canon? Is he Mandalorian? Okay, that, that, that's a... No, is the answer, and okay. it, it's very irritating and confusing, and I really have to hope that if they do bring back Boba Fett, which I which fully, a fully, they are. fully believe that they will, they gotta explain that, because so many internet forums, everyone's like, oh, Boba Fett, you know, he's a Mandalorian, and people are like, um, actually, technically, if you watch this one episode of The Clone Wars, he's not a Mandalorian, but like... There's no context or explanation, you know, some people are mm -hmm. like, oh, well, spiritually he betrayed the code of the Mandalorians, and some people are like, oh, well, no, it's because he's a clone, or, you know, they really gotta straighten it out, and just mm -hmm. either definitively be like, oh, he is a Mandalorian, or he isn't a Mandalorian, and if not, why not? But yeah, but like you also said, because I, I was going to say same thing, because I didn't watch all of Rebels, but I watched enough to know who Sabine Wren is, who, she's a Mandalorian, she has the helmet, but she wears it when she feels like it, takes it off when she doesn't. She doesn't, like you say, follow the way of giving up her name, uh, always wearing her helmet. Like, so, what, what my, my theory is that, because they also say Man, Mandalorian's not a place, it's a it's an idea. They say something like that in the first season. So my theory is that, like, you know, this was Mandalorian culture, you know, back whenever, back in the day. And then the main society of Mandalore stopped following the, the olden ways. And this is a subsect of people from there that kept to the original ways. And they do say, like, you know, they adopt people like Mando. He was adopted.
into into it. So it's not just you know man, actual Mandalorians, but people who are decide to follow the old ways of the Mandalorian. Right. Yeah. I mean, my my personal theory is that this was the followers of the way. I think that was probably the original Mandalorian culture, like yeah. eons ago, if we're talking like Old Republic. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And, yeah, and then post, you know, they talk about the Great Purge of the Mandalorians, or, which I think will be explored in Season 2. Uh, I think maybe after their society collapsed, they decided, mm -hmm. all right, we're going to restart that. You know, sort of yeah. like a, a Dark Ages kind of reverting to more traditional religion. Mm-hmm. And now, there's another thing. Now, I, I don't know all the details about it, but I know they mentioned a great war between the Jedi's and the Mandalorians in Rebels. So, it, like, it's, it seems very strange to me how Mando has no idea about the Jedi. That felt off to me because it's like, but wait, you had a, your people had a big war with them. How do you... And also, I just thought Jedi was, was you know, was more common larger. Knowledge. I mean, I know a lot of people believe them to be, oh, just myths and stuff, but he seemed to have never even heard of the legends of them, which to me seemed weird. Yeah, that's that's sort of an eternal plot hole in all of Star Wars, is that the Jedi seem to become myth way too quickly. You know, it, people are, you know, and they're pushing the boundary even more. In, in Rebels, we have, like, Jedi flipping around and, and doing crazy stuff right up until Rogue One, they have active Jedi who are members of the Rebel Alliance, and then suddenly in Episode 4, they're like, oh, what, this is an ancient religion that nobody is a member of, and who are the Jedi? And then, you know, uh, then the Jedi come back under Luke, and Luke's like, I'm the Jedi, the Jedi have returned. And then, you know, by the time we get to Rey, Rey's like, oh, I thought the Jedi were a myth. It seems like everyone thinks the Jedi are a myth, despite them being, like, a constant fixture of the political world of Star Wars. Yeah, but but see, it was weird that Mando didn't even seem familiar with them as a myth. Like, that I would be okay with. He's like, oh, I thought they were just a myth. But he seemed to have never even heard of the concept of them, which, like you said, just felt off to me. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe since he was an orphan, maybe his schooling wasn't the best. <laughs> yeah, but also, because how old is he supposed to be? Because, I mean, his parents were killed by droids. Now, wasn't the droid was? Back when, you know, everybody knew exactly who Jedi were, they weren't a myth. Right, exactly. That's the thing that doesn't really make sense, is that, you know, during the Clone Wars, the Jedis were generals in the army, in the like, main army of the Republic, so it kind of seems odd that he would be confused at all about yeah. who the Jedi are. Like, I understand, be like, oh, they're all dead, aren't they? Oh, I would, like, how would I know how to find them? That all makes sense to me, but him just being like, Wait, what? There's people with these lightsabers? Like, like, yeah, it just seemed off to me that he didn't know anything about them. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So, so um, you know, since we're, since we're running a bit long here, let me ask you this. What are your biggest hopes for Season 2, and what are your biggest fears for Season 2? Alright, well, my, my biggest hopes is to, well... But I don't think we should know everything about Baby Yoda yet, but I want to find out, you know, something about him. Because we think about, we know absolutely nothing about Baby Yoda except that he's adorable. Like, <laughs> so I want to, you know, find out some things about him. Not, not like I said, in the second season we shouldn't find out everything there is to know about him, but 
that that's one of my biggest hope hopes. My biggest fears is that like I like the idea of Boba Fett Ahsoka Tano coming in. I but I hope it doesn't become too much of oh well you have to watch this show to to get what's going on on because that's the one thing I, I keep telling my sister oh watch the Mandalorian I know you don't haven't watched that much of Star Wars but it's it's easy to follow for a newbie because I hope it keeps being easy to follow for someone who's not up to date on everything else right exactly I think I think you hit the nail on the head that that's my biggest fear is that you know I never really cared too much about the Ahsoka Tano character. I definitely like her a lot more than I used to back in the Clone Wars. But, you know, I don't want this to become the Ahsoka Tano show. And I felt like the show was the strongest when it was doing its own thing. And it was the weakest when it was like, hey, look, here's Tatooine. Remember Tatooine? So mm. I don't want them to go too far down the rabbit hole of, oh, well... You know, there's rumors of all these people showing up. Ahsoka and Boba Fett, and, you know, maybe if Ahsoka's p popping up, does that mean Thrawn is popping up? And does that mean that Ezra's popping up? And, and if so, is it a continuation of Rebels? And do I have to have watched all of Rebels? Because, I, you know, I, I've seen the first three seasons, but, you know, I, I haven't seen the fourth season, so does that mean I have to go back and rewatch the fourth season? You know, is Darth Maul showing up? Do I have to watch the Clone Wars? So I really hope they don't go down that route. You know, uh, I think they're better off keeping the show mostly self-contained. Maybe a few cameos, uh, but oh, hold on. Oh, okay. I um, we can keep going audio, but uh, I my my memory chip ran out of of uh, so I, we're out of out of filming, but. So, so you can't, so if you'll watch the video version, you just get to see my pretty face and not Mike's pretty face. <laughs> but, uh, but, no, continue. so what's the thing you're looking forward to the most? Well, like I said, finding more about Baby Yoda and see, see more of that. See more of that story play, play out, see, finding who he is. And I just, like I said, I don't want it to become... Oh, well, now you got to watch this to understand what's going on. Right. I think probably the thing I'm most excited about is maybe uh, just exploring that time period more, getting to see more mm. about the New Republic, and, and maybe maybe getting a glimpse of, of Luke Skywalker's Academy or something like that, what, what's going on with uh, the other parts of the world, because my biggest disappointment with the sequel trilogy was I felt like they had this great opportunity to kind of continue the story of Luke and, and the galaxy and oh now we just formed the new republic and and you know J.J. Abrams understandably but disappointingly chose to kind of reset everything and just say oh mm -hmm. well forget about the new republic they're gone uh, that's so, all legends right so seeing seeing actually like a new republic ship and like hearing more about the time after a new hope but before after return of the jedi but before everything kind of gets reset in uh in episode seven and i do hope that they tie it into episode seven you know i i don't want disney to be like embarrassed about the sequel trilogy you know i know that some people don't like episode nine but i i i want it to all kind of flow continuously mm -hmm. i want to see the origins of the first order and them kind of mm -hmm. plant those seeds and of course yeah. moff moff gideon um i mean Gina Carno Esposito is 
instantly iconic. I mean, I love mm-hmm. him in Breaking Bad. I love him in everything. So, you know, him having the dark saber and being a, you know, surprisingly awesome villain for the final episode. Yeah. I can't wait to hear more about him. Mm-hmm. All right, I think that wraps it up. We All right. More. We went long, but we knew that was going to happen the second we got you talking about Star Wars. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right. So, this has been JD. And this has been Mike. Have a good night, everyone. Or good morning, whatever time of day you listen to this at.